You're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast, where self-sufficiency is made easy. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, and I help teach families how to grow, preserve, and cook their own food using old-fashioned skill sets and wisdom to create a natural, self-sufficient home. Welcome. This is episode number 124, and it's also the first episode of 2018. We're going to be talking about planning out your homestead year, and specifically in regards to planning what crops you're going to be growing harvesting, and preserving. So I thought it would be really fun this year is to kind of take you through the year how we do everything that we do because we raise all of our own meat, a good portion, at least 50% of our fruit, and a good portion of our vegetables. And so I'm going to take you through season by season and how we plan things on each of those different stages and how we do all of that on our functioning homestead. So then you can plug that into your circumstances and do the same thing. So I am always excited about the new year. It's when I take time to step back and evaluate what's working and sometimes more importantly, what isn't, and then to make the changes where they need to be because our lives and our homesteads, all of that is always changing. And so I think it's important to look at what's working, keep doing that, but not to stick with something just because what it's what we have always done just on that basis. So this is the season where we begin to plan the crops for our homestead for the coming year. Now, I live in the Pacific Northwest, so my main gardening time when we plant the majority of our summer crops or the summer garden doesn't happen until May. Mid to end of May is when those crops actually go in the ground and we start planting by seed, putting the starts in, that type of thing. But we actually start our planning now. I want to mention before I forget that I have got an awesome freebie for you today that you're going to be able to use to do all of the steps that I'm talking about that's going to make things really easy. So to get that, just go to melissaknorris.com, click on the podcast button, and this is episode number 124. The freebie is my harvest inventory sheet. I'm going to be breaking it down for you step by step, but you can grab this sheet and then you can just do it all yourself as well. So step one, the first step is to evaluate how much food you have left from last year's growing season. So I'm talking about things that you have dehydrated, you have in the freezer, you canned because home canning is one of my passions, y'all. But don't worry, if this is your first year where you're going to be growing your own food, you might not even have an inventory of homegrown and preserved items to go through, but you still need to do some evaluating. And even if you do, like me, there's a lot of crops that we grow enough to preserve and take us through an entire year that I don't ever buy from the store. But it's important for us to do this evaluation too. So I'm going to walk you through that. So first thing is go through your freezer and your pantry shelves. This works really well when you need to take an inventory. Do all of this at once. But first off, break it down, and I want you to go through your freezer and your pantry shelves and look at the items that you grew and preserved yourself first. I want you to document where you nailed it so you have enough food to take you through the rest of the year to the next harvest season of whatever that particular crop may be. 
and also where you're falling short. And don't forget to check your spice and herb cupboard as well. We grow and preserve a lot of our own herbs and that's not always kept in, I have like my herb and spice cabinet and that's not kept in my regular pantry area. So it's important to check all of those areas. I wanna give you some examples. Right now, it's the time of this recording, it is the first week of January, 2018. My main summer harvest does not start to happen until about mid to end of July and then goes all the way through August and mid-September. So about two months where I'm getting the main harvest of most of our vegetables. Now, right now, I have 18 jars of tomato sauce left. And as I said, my typical first large harvest, enough that I have enough to actually make sauce, that's not going to happen until August in regards to the tomatoes. So this means, by calculations, August is eight months away from now, that I can use approximately two jars a month if I don't want to purchase any from the store, and I don't want to purchase any from the store. This past year, I tried a new type of tomatoes, and I didn't grow as many of my paste tomato plants as I usually do. So normally I do between 18 to 20 plants of Heirloom San Marzano Lungo Number 2 paste tomatoes. This year, I did about six plants, so I did 20 total, and I did about six plants of the black Cherokee tomato, heirloom tomato. I really wanted to try that. I thought it would be really fun. I always like to try one new variety a year at least to keep things fun and interesting in the garden. While the flavor was great, I enjoyed the tomato. It had great flavor, and it grew pretty well. I didn't have any disease issues. It wasn't nearly as prolific as the San Marzano Lungo. So because I had cut back the number on the San Marzano Lungo to only about 12 plants versus normally doing 18 to 20, I really cut into my harvest production on the tomatoes, and so I didn't get to put up as much tomato sauce as I wanted to. We also kind of had an anomaly with our tomato crops around here, and it wasn't just me. I have a good friend who is actually a professional commercial grower of organic foods, and she grows organic tomatoes and sells them down at Pike's Place Market. She also has a CSA, and her tomato harvest was very similar to mine. So it was really dry and hot here, which normally is a good thing for tomatoes if you live in the Pacific Northwest. You don't have blight issues when it's really dry, and I have mine on soaker hoses, so my watering system was down great. They were getting enough water, but the tomatoes just did not want to ripen. It was really hot out, but they didn't ripen. And so because they weren't ripening fast, so then you could harvest it and then you would have new blossoms coming on. I just didn't get the tomato harvest that I normally do. It was kind of weird. It just kind of cut itself short. And so I didn't really get that second wave of ripe tomatoes that I normally do. And then with also not planting as many, it really cut that back. So I have made myself a note that I need to go back to doing my typical 18 plants of my paste tomatoes. So in my planning, I know that I'm going to go back to that and increase that from last year. I also have 27 jars of cucumber pickles left. I also do pickled asparagus, so I'm specifying here on what type. So that means we can eat a jar a week until our main harvest time, which is more than enough. We generally don't eat an entire quart of cucumber pickles in one week. But this lets me know that we did three hills of pickling cucumbers last year, and that was the exact perfect amount for our needs to take us all the way through the year. So I do this process 
with all of my preserved foods. So like I said, including dehydrated, canned, and frozen. We still have all of our whole chickens that we raised and butchered ourselves here on the homestead from 2017 because I just cooked the last one from 2016. So that means that I've got enough whole chickens to serve two whole birds a month until we butcher our next harvest of meat chickens, which typically we do in July. That lets me know as far as what we're raising for meat, that that's the perfect amount for us of whole chickens to raise for the year. I first want you to do this with what you've already grown and put up for the year and preserved so that you know by going off of what you planted the previous year where you're standing and then you can adjust that because it's the known, right? That's where I first want you to start. Now, like I mentioned, if this is your first year growing food, you might not have that inventory like I do to even go through yet, and that's fine. What I want you to do instead, and I actually want you to do this even if you do have that inventory like I do, because our goal is to always do a little bit better every year. I don't want you to compare yourself to what I'm doing or what anybody else is doing. We really need to look at where we're at right now and then make our goal is to do just a little bit better and a little bit more every year so that you don't overwhelm yourselves and it's actually attainable and not just attainable, but also sustainable, that it's something that you can do long term. So look at your current pantry after you've went through the homegrowns if you've got them And I want you to see what foods you are using a lot of. If you don't even have a very well-stocked pantry yet, maybe that's your goal is you want a home-stocked larder up. What you're going to do is I want you to keep track of the meals and the foods that you're eating on a regular basis so that you and your family are preparing at home, foods you're eating a lot of. So do you have spaghetti, chili, or something that uses a base of tomato sauce or canned tomatoes or tomatoes in a weekly or almost weekly basis? Okay, what about frozen or canned vegetables? Not ones that you've grown yourselves, but that you're using on a consistent basis. And that's the key, consistent basis. I want you to document this. Just write it all down and keep a notation after a couple of weeks. Usually we have things that we repeat quite often of that food, what you're using in an average month, and then simply multiply that out for a year. So for example, are you using a lot of carrots? So maybe you figure you're using like two cups of carrots every other week or a cup of carrots a week. So that would be four cups, which would be two pints if we were talking canning wise. You have two cups to every pint. So if you're using four cups a week, that would be two pints a month that you would need of canned carrots. So then you multiply that out so you know how many cups for a year. And then you would say, okay, I'm using consistently, I'm using a cup of carrots every single week. So that's something that I want to start growing because it's something that we're using all the time. I think it's more important to replace items that you use all of the time or on a really frequent basis with homegrowns than it is for things that you just kind of use some of the time. So for example, we don't eat a lot of corn. Now we love fresh corn on the cob, but corn is not something that I use in a weekly part of our diet or that I cook with all of the time. So we choose not to grow a really large corn harvest because it takes up a lot of space and I can get it organic, locally grown when it's in season, really cheap. So that's just an item that we choose not to grow at this time. Now that doesn't mean we've grown corn in the past and it doesn't mean that I won't grow more of it in the future. But I'm just saying for right now, it's not something we're eating on a huge basis. So it's something that I wanna invest my time or my crop space in for the harvesting. So that's kind of how I want you to evaluate it. 
And then I'm looking at our own harvest and looking in things that I'm using a lot of. We're eating a lot of broccoli and a lot of cauliflower. So my goal this year is to grow more broccoli and cauliflower. And then part of that will be frozen. Not really a canning candidate. It's not something that we're going to be canning. But dehydrating it. So I want to dehydrate more of that crop so that I'm not having to purchase that as much from the store. So I'm just kind of giving you a little bit of a breakthrough on how we go through and how I plan out my crops for the year based on what we're currently eating, which is why I keep saying document, document, document. Okay, now that you've evaluated how much food you have left, and then the second step is how much you're eating on average, and then that would take you for a year. Now you have a list of crops that you need to either increase or decrease for this year's planting based on that evaluation. For example, one year I had 30 jars of salsa left over from the previous year, so I did not plant extra peppers and onions and tomatoes for the purpose of salsa because 30 jars left over was enough. That's two jars of salsa a month. Again, it's gonna depend on how much you're eating of said things, right? Each family is gonna be different. I did not can any salsa that year. We used up what we had instead of canning more. So sometimes I'll have a year where I will preserve a double amount of a crop and then not grow that crop the following year. So every year it changes a little bit on what we plant. That's why it's crucial that you go through your inventory each year and don't just go by what you did the previous year because things change. Right now my son is hitting his teenage years, aka eating a whole lot more food. And my daughter loves pickles. She didn't used to, so she's eating a lot more pickles. So we are increasing. That's why last year we increased our cucumber hills that we did for pickles than we'd had the previous years. And it seems to be right on the money. And that's the beauty and point of growing our own food is we really get to tailor it to our exact needs for us and our family. Now, step two. Decide which crops that you're going to be growing. Based upon my inventory, that's how I plan out which crops that we're going to grow for this year. Now, for my newbies out there, which I am so excited that there are so many people jumping on board with growing their own food. So where do you start in planting your garden if you've never grown one before or you've never preserved food before and you don't have that basis to go off of? Well, I watch you through that in step one, where you're going to be looking and documenting on just what your family's eating on a normal basis. So you've done that, right? You did step one. Awesome. So you got a pretty good idea. Here's what you need to decide, though, on which of those plants you're going to be growing. I have a criteria that I use when I'm trying to decide which crops I'm going to invest our time into. One, what do you have space for? So you might just have a back patio where you've got some big planters and you're able to just do a container garden, which is fabulous. Maybe you have a smaller backyard, you've got a few raised beds and some container gardens. So most people have a combination of these. Or maybe you've got acreage and you're like, I got a big old huge garden. I've got fruit trees. I've got, you know, row of raspberries and blueberries. Okay, that is amazing. But my point is, we have to know what space we have for where we're at right now in this growing season which is my second part of the criteria, know your growing season. What I mean by that is you need to know your first average frost date and your last average frost date because that is gonna determine when you can plant certain types of plants. Right now, in the wintertime and the very early spring, that's when you're going to be putting in your new fruit trees. 
I've got a lot more detailed articles that will dive into each of these specificities so you can go into those. So go to the show notes and you'll get all the resources there. So if you're wanting to learn how to put in fruit trees, then I've got you covered there and we'll talk about that. The reason that you need to grow your growing season is because that's when you're going to be putting these things in. So for example, your last average frost date is going to be in the spring, depending upon your area. And that's that average date that you have your last frost. So typically your warm weather plants, so think cucumbers and green beans and tomatoes and peppers, those type of things, those can't be put into the ground until, now it varies depending on your region and stuff, but at least two to three weeks usually past that last average frost date. For some things like tomatoes and peppers that are even more cold sensitive, it's going to be further out. That's why it's important to know what your growing season is because some areas, you may not even be able to grow what it is that you're eating on a consistent basis, which really segues into my next point is grow what grows easily in your area. What I mean by that, don't waste your time trying to baby plants that aren't adapted to your growing climate and your growing season. I live in the Pacific Northwest. We're up in the foothills, so we have a pretty short growing season. Like I said, the end of May, we can plant And then we need to have most of it harvested by mid to end of September because we can get start to get those cooler temperatures really quick and those first killing frosts. So we are too cold to grow okra and sweet potatoes. It just ain't going to happen. So even if I happen to eat a lot of sweet potatoes, that's not a crop that I'm going to be able to grow. Now, I will have to say that sometimes there's some workarounds a little bit with your climates and what you can grow. I could try sweet potatoes and some of those really large black grow bags. One, because they're black, so they're going to retain the heat and they're going to keep heat in that would keep the soil extra hot. Two, they're, I can move them. If I knew it was going to be cold out and I needed to move them for them to stay warm, I could do that. And I may try that someday. I can't say that I won't ever because I do like to challenge myself with new things every now and then. But it would take a lot of babying and a ton of extra work on my part without a high likelihood of a large crop and maybe not any crop at all. So that's why I say you need to know what's going to grow easily in your area and stick to those as your main crops. Now, on the flip side, if you live in a really hot climate, you're probably not going to have any luck with snow peas because they like cooler weather. So that's why I say learn what grows well in your area and stick to those when you're first starting out, and especially on those crops that you're wanting to take you through an entire year or close to it, it's something that's a staple food in your regular diet. Going back to just a minute for deciding what plants that you're going to be growing is to look at the space that you've got for it. And one of the things, and I go into further detail, so you can check that out on podcast episode number 76, which is the best vegetables for small spaces and self-sufficiency. And I talked about why we don't grow corn right now because it takes up a large area of space. And so it's not one of my top priority crops, but for other people, it may be. But if at all possible, go the vertical route. So if you've got two types of plants, so when it comes to green beans, there's a pole bean and there's bush bean varieties. And usually there's varieties in, you know, there's Kentucky Blue Lakes and you can get a bush bean or there's Kentucky Wonders, which is your pole beans. So I always go for a vertical route if possible. So we grow pole beans. That way, my bean production is going up vertical and I've got more space on the ground. So I can plant my squash fairly near to my beans and then the squash can vine out amongst and underneath the beans. 
but it's not interfering with any type of my harvest or the growing part. So that lets me use the same space for two crops at the same time. Okay, so we're going to move on to step three. We've covered step one, evaluating how much food you have left from last year's growing season, and then any new foods that you want to bring in that you're eating on a regular basis. Step two, decide which of those crops you're going to be growing. Now, step three, check your seed supply. If you've ordered seeds through the mail before or online and they come to you via the mail, you're going to notice that you get new seed catalogs usually starting in December through January because now is the time I want you to get your seed house in order. If you're a seed saver, so what meaning by this is that you're saving your own garden seed each year from your own plants, not that you're just a hoarder of seeds that you didn't plant all from last year and I tend to be a little bit of both. So I have some seeds that I purchase And then we have other varieties that we just seed save ourselves year after year after year. Regardless of which way you fall or if you happen to be a hybrid of the two, I want you to go through what seed you had. Now, if the seed is older than three to four years, you might want to order a new batch as seed does lose some of its germination rate. So germination rate is simply means that when you put the seed in the ground for it to grow, if you put 10 seeds in the ground, the older it is, you might only have five of those start to sprout and every year you're gonna, that germination rate will go lower and lower and lower, meaning less of those seeds are gonna actually sprout and grow into a plant. So if it's three or four years older, you might want to look at ordering some new seed. That being said, we I do in a completely heirloom garden. So all of the plants that we plant are heirloom varieties so that I can seed save them if I want to or if I need to. And in regards to our pole beans and our shelled beans, both of those varieties of beans are a pole bean. And my family has been seed saving our own variety for over a hundred years. So I always have those. That's not any anything that I ever order online, those type of seeds. And I have planted five-year-old or older seeds of our bean seeds. And they have germinated and came up just fine for us, but I know the exact conditions they were stored in from the time that they were shelled and dried and then stored in my home. I don't always know that with seed that I get shipped from me. I don't know how long it was on the warehouse shelf before, the conditions it was stored in, the conditions you know when it was shipping in and that type of thing. So I just know from experience with our own seed that I've got a little bit longer there of a shelf life, but if it seeds that you haven't saved yourself. If it's three or four years older, I would recommend looking at bringing in some newer seed. But you can always do a test. And that's where you take a small amount and you go ahead and you get them wet or moist in like a paper towel. And then you will put it in a Ziploc bag so it's like a greenhouse environment and see how many of those start to sprout. And if most of those sprout, then there's no need to order anymore. But if you only say you do like 10 seeds and only one sprouts, mm, then you're probably gonna wanna go ahead and order more. So make a list of what seeds you need to order and get your order placed now. If you are new and you're like, okay, what do you mean when you're talking about heirloom seeds and all of that? If you wanna have more information on the differences between what GMO seeds are, hybrid seeds are, and heirloom seeds are, go and check out episode number 75, four tips to successfully grow your own food. And I go over that breakdown in that episode. And so you can get a little bit more information there. Now, step four, 
Keep notes on which varieties do best for you. It's really important to note which varieties of seeds or plants you have that work best for you or don't. I have tried several different types of pickling cucumbers over the past years. Last year, I said we planted three hills of pickling cucumbers, and that was just enough. The type we planted, I tried a new type of pickling cucumber, and it was the Chicago pickling cucumber. They were the best and most prolific cucumbers that I had ever planted. I didn't have any disease issues in the past. I've had some fungus issues, didn't have any of that. They made excellent pickles, so they were nice and crunchy. They were great size. And they were also a great fresh eating cucumber. So they did dual purpose. We used them fresh eating on salads and just sliced up, but they were really good pickling cucumbers. So I'm gonna stick to that variety from here on out. Now, last year I was talking about our tomatoes, right? That I had tried some of the black Cherokee tomato variety along with my San Marzano Lungo number two paste tomatoes. And the flavor was fine, but they weren't as prolific. So I have made a note that if I do them again, I'm only gonna do a small amount and I'm not gonna do as many. And as I mentioned, if you grab my freebie, which is the harvest inventory planning sheet, then I also have listed in there my favorite varieties of the main crops or most of the main crops that we plant for our garden seeds and where you can get them. In the freebie, I have got a chart, and so it's a full two pages of charts where you put in the crop that you're gonna be planting. And this is even, you can use this inventory sheet for your regular inventory, even if it's not a crop that you planted last year, but it's a crop that you wanna plant this year. Then if you did plant it last year, the amount that you planted. So like I said, we did three hills of our pickling cucumbers and I had about four, three to four plants on each hill. So I would say between 10 and 12 plants or you can do it by rows, you can do it by plants, you can do it by hills, whatever's easiest for you. So crop, the amount that I had planted last year, then the amount that we preserved. Now, one caveat here is maybe you're like, well, I don't know how many I preserved because I didn't actually write down last year when I got done canning or whatever your method of preserving was. I only know what I have right now. And that's completely fine. Go ahead and track with what you have now. And then you're just gonna plan out if it's gonna last you until your harvest season for this year. As I said, I've got 27 jars left of cucumbers. So I would put down their crop, cucumbers, amount planted, three hills or about 10 plants, amount preserved. Well, I know I've got 27 jars left. So then there's a fourth column. So it goes by columns. So in the fourth column, it says next year, or that would be this year because we're in 2018 now, crop. And there's a place where you put increase, decrease, or keep the same. And so we're gonna be keeping the same on that. So I know I only need to plant about 12 plants of my Chicago pickling cucumber, and I'm set. You can go through there, and then again, I'm gonna be putting down broccoli, figuring out about how much we eat every week, how many plants I would need to take us through the year, and then how many I need to put in the ground. There's two blank sheets, and you can print out as many as you want and go through this inventory. And it's something that you can print out and you can use year after year after year. But this year, your goal is when you harvest it and you get it preserved is to write in how much you planted when you plant, right? And then also how much you preserved at the very beginning of the year. But like I said, you can start it now. It doesn't matter. Or whenever you happen to be listening to this episode. Then after we go through our inventory sheet that I've got there for you to plug all your stuff in, I have some of my favorite seed and plant varieties, which I already told you some of them, of course, the Chicago Link Pickling Cucumber for Cucumbers, 
San Marzano Lungo number two for tomatoes. And of course, our varieties of our heirloom beans that have been passed down in our family. So to get all of that, just go to the show notes. This is episode number 124. I have never been a really big New Year's resolution or goal setter. One, because most people fail when we make New Year's resolutions, right? It's why you, most of the time, a lot of us are making the same resolution over and over and over again. So I don't really make a New Year's resolution per se. And then there's other people, which if you do, that's totally fine. Just I don't normally do a New Year's resolution. But a lot of people will do where they kind of have their word for a year. So it's something that they kind of want to have as a theme that they carry through them without the year. And I've not really done that before either. But this year is a different story. This year, I really felt, I don't know if impressed is the correct word, but this kept coming back to me in all areas of us. This kept coming back to me in all areas of my life, and it's being strategic. I want to be really strategic in everything that I do, from our finances, to my eating, to how I spend my time, to my relationships. Pretty much everything is falling under being strategic. So that is my word for 2018. And I'm also planning on being much more strategic with the podcast. So my goal, even though I said we weren't doing New Year's resolutions, right? But my goal in being strategic for 2018 is to get you a new podcast episode out every week and not be quite so sporadic. That's my goal that I'm working on right now with the podcast. So you can totally help me out with this. If you have things that you would like me to talk about or you've got questions on or you wanna know how we do things in regards to being self-sufficient and modern homesteading and cooking from scratch and all of that fun stuff, please let me know so you can go straight to the show notes for every podcast episode and tell me in the comments. You can let me know in the reviews on iTunes. So you can comment, let me know in the reviews there if that's where you listen. You can go to my Facebook page and shoot me a message there and let me know that as well. But it's really helpful and I would love it if you would let me know what you would want more of or what you would like to see me touch basis on that maybe I haven't or go more in depth on. Or if you're curious about something and want to know how we're doing it now versus some of the older episodes, I would love to know that as well. So please do let me know. I love to hear from you guys. Now, To our verse of the week, being strategic and making sure that I stay grounded in the Lord and in my relationship with Jesus and my Bible reading, I am reading through the Bible again this year. So it's something I've done in the past. I didn't do it last year, but I'm doing it right now, and I'm doing it while journaling. Now, that's something different for me. I've not always been consistent on keeping a Bible journal or a prayer journal. That's something I'm doing this year. So... We're going to be back in Genesis, but specifically, I'm in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And God blessed, spoke good of the seventh day, set it apart as his own and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had created and done. I've read that before, and one of obviously one of the Ten Commandments is to keep the Sabbath holy, and we know about that. 
But as I was reading this, I was really struck with the notion that God, he is awesome and wonderful and so much more bigger and more capable of everything than I am. And he rested. That rest is something that is holy. And what if I treated rest this year as something that was holy? Because honestly, that's not something that I have always done. And it really just gave me pause. And it's been ruminating and going through my mind these past couple days about really making sure that I treat rest as holy. And then when you do so, God also said that he blessed that as well. That's something that I'm going to be focusing on and being strategic too, is making sure that I am keeping that seventh day as rest and holiness. And of course, we all have different ideas of what that means for each person. So we each are going to be deciding what for us means rest and what means holy. But that is something that I am going to be doing this year as well. And that's just really been something that I think we should all think about and what it pertains for us and kind of what we're doing. So I'm going to leave that with you as our verse of the week, starting out this brand new 2018 year. And as always, I want to thank you so much for taking your valuable time and listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with me. I can't wait to be back on here with you next week. Bye for now.